Welcome to West Miami Zion Church, where we're working the vineyard through faith, worship, witness, and service. Today, we'll hear a message from Reverend Alicia Courtney, entitled, It's Above Me. We adore you, we magnify you, we give you the honor you are due. We give you thanks, God. Hallelujah, we bless your name, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. There is none like you in all the earth, God. We glorify you. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. You are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. First giving honor to God who is my Lord and Savior, to the pastor of this house, Pastor Clarence Jones. We thank God for you, to Pastor Cuthbertson, to all of the members here at Wesley. It's good to be home, amen. It's always good to be home. Um, if I can be transparent, y'all know I always try to be. Um, I was telling Kim on the way over here, I said, I don't know why God does this because when they asked me, or when Reverend Jones asked me, I'm sorry, when Reverend Jones asked me um, to preach, I was like, Lord, you know, I have not been in a headspace. I'm at a time in my life right now where I'm just like, I don't even know if I need to be preaching. And, you know, it's like God has a way of pushing us, you know, and reminding us of the promises we made to him yes. despite whatever's going on in my life yes. the promises i made to him yes. and so i thank god for the opportunity um if you would turn with me in your bibles to genesis chapter 50 um genesis chapter 50 and I thank you, Reverend Jones, for reading the scripture earlier. I want to read it again. I know some more people have come in since that time. Genesis chapter 50. I'd like to lift up verses 14 through 21. Amen. Again, that's Genesis, the 50th chapter, beginning at verse 14. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And it says, after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now their father was dead. Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to, jo to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Verse 18 says, then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me this, to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Um, I'd like to just share for just a few moments from this topic. It's above me now. It's above me now. Let's pray. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, this time to come into your house of worship once more, Lord. I pray now, Lord, that you would let the meditation of my the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. For, Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. Remove Alicia. Let the people see and hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's above me now. It's above me now is a term I'm sure some of you have heard all over social media lately. And it came about after a, a Caucasian woman referred to an African-American Holiday Inn employee as an N-word while on the phone making a hotel reservation. When the customer arrived to the hotel, the employee recorded himself telling the woman that he could not provide her with the hotel room because it's above me now. And the woman's whole attitude changed yeah. in that moment. She became apologetic and started pleading and begging for her, for him to give her the hotel room. She starts begging and then she even, I think her daughter or someone comes in and starts begging too. And the employee simply keeps saying, it's above me now. The video went viral and everybody started using the term. To say it's above me now means there's nothing else I can do. At this point, things are out of my control. My hands are tied. I really wish I could help you, but I can't. And the situation is bigger than me. It's above me now. In our text today, Joseph is at a point in his relationship with his brothers where he has to let them know it's above me now. Joseph was the 12th of 13 brothers born to Jacob. And the Bible says that Joseph was Jacob's favorite son because he was the son born to him by his favorite wife, Rachel. Joseph would often brag to his brothers about being the favorite. You know, he you know how siblings can be anyway. But Joseph, uh, he would walk around. His dad had bought him this nice coat and he would walk around flaunting the coat in front of his brothers. Joseph was also a dreamer and he would tell his brothers about his dreams. And one of the dreams he told them, you were bowing down to me. And so this caused a lot of jealousy in the household, a lot of jealousy. His brothers were so jealous of him that they eventually sold him into slavery. Joseph ends up going through a lot of things in that time. He ends up um, the the Pharaoh or the ruler's wife becomes attracted to him. And he's working in this palace and she propositions him and he says, no, I can't do that. You're married. You, you know, he's my boss. And she says he raped me. And so he ends up going to prison. And so while he's in prison, God is still working and he ends up later on serving a Pharaoh because the Pharaoh was having dreams and needed his dreams interpreted. And he ends up appointing Joseph because he's so impressed with his interpretation. He appoints him. Um, Study said he's something like a prime minister would be today. And so Joseph is going through this uh, process and a famine strikes. A famine is when there's no food um, to eat. And the famine was so massive that it spread not only to Egypt where, where Joseph was, but it spread to Canaan where his family was from. And so at the time, Jacob, who was Joseph's father, hears, you know, there's grain in Egypt. 
And so he sends 10 of his sons to go to Egypt, buy some grain and come on back home. So basically at this point, Joseph's brothers end up coming before him. They don't recognize him, but he instantly knows who they are. And Joseph kind of plays a little game with them, you know, a little bit. But he ultimately ends up telling them, look, I'm your brother. And when he tells them, they are terrified. But Joseph reacts completely different from what they expect. Joseph ends up blessing his family. He gives them land in Egypt, prime real estate, good land. He moves the whole family. And some years later, their father, Jacob, dies. And that's the point where we are today in our text. Um, Jacob has died. They've buried him. And now Joseph's brothers become fearful again. They think now that daddy's dead, Joseph is no longer going to love us. He's no longer going to take care of us. He probably was only doing it because of daddy. Daddy's gone. Now what's going to happen? They believe at this point his attitude will change towards him. So they start trying to do damage control. And uh, one thing I thought about was the guilt that they felt and how when guilt sets in, we are always afraid. Mm -hmm. We're always on guard. Mm -hmm. Even when there's nothing to be afraid of, when we are guilty, we are fearful. We're suspicious of everybody around us. Mm -hmm. And then we start begging for another chance. Mm -hmm. We've seen this in uh, the scriptures with Adam and Eve. (laughs) When Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the forbidden tree, the first thing they did was was what hid God didn't say anything to them yet they hid then he asked them why are you hiding Cain killed his brother Abel and became paranoid that somebody was gonna kill him even the woman in the hotel video I told you she became her whole attitude changes she started begging she became apologetic all the stuff she was saying on the phone she wasn't thugged out anymore (laughs) She needed a place to stay, and so her actions began to change. If you think about the times people start avoiding you, and you don't understand what's going on, you just know this person's avoiding you. They don't speak to you when they see you. They don't make eye contact. A lot of times that's guilt setting in. That's how Joseph's brothers were. Joseph has said or done nothing at all to make them think he would abandon them now that their father had died, but their guilt was instilling fear in them. Their guilt made them afraid of what Joseph would do. And so they tell Joseph, hey, daddy wanted you to forgive us. (laughs) They started bowing down before him, not realizing that was the dream he had told them about when they were younger. But one of the things that Joseph does that caught my attention, the first thing he did was he began to cry. Mm -hmm. Study shows that he cried because he was sorrowful that they would think he'd abandoned them. Mm -hmm. He had done so much for them and they still believed he was upset after everything he had done. But if I could interject my own reality into the situation for a minute, I honestly wonder if maybe he cried because he was looking to God for strength to do what's right. Maybe he was saying, look, God, 
it's above me now. I need you to help me to do this the right way because I can't do it on my own. Maybe he tapped into his human emotions for just a moment and thought daddy's gone and it's going to be difficult for me to continue to care for them, especially after all I've done and they still see me in this way. Maybe he was in his feelings for just a moment. Maybe he was thinking, I'm over this whole situation. However, as much as I don't want to do what's right, I have to do what's right. Lord, help me to keep loving them. Lord, help me to care. That's what we, we must do when we are faced with having to help those who have wronged us. Lord, you know, I could really care less about what happens to him or what happens to her. But help me to step outside of myself. Help me to do what you want me to do. Sometimes that takes crying. Sometimes that takes weeping and not immediately responding to the situation. Sometimes there needs to be a time of reflection before a decision is made. Sometimes we need to release. To me, that's what crying is. Releasing emotions. Sometimes we need to release our own emotions that we, we are battling with. I feel like sometimes we don't weep enough. I know for me lately, that's something I've seen. I used to be a big crier, but I stopped. I stopped crying. And I realize now that that's not healthy. Because that's how I was able to be in the right mindset because I would release my emotions. But that's something that we do not do enough of. Sometimes we need to weep. Um, It's okay to be sad. It's okay. It's okay. We don't always have to be tough. We don't always have to tough everything out. It's okay to say, Lord, I am struggling with this thing. And the fact that I'm having a difficult time does not make me a bad person. It does not make me weak. I just can't do this thing alone and I need your help, Lord. It's above me now. Then not only does Joseph cry, but he begins to comfort his brothers. Joseph says, look, don't be afraid of me. I'm not God. Mm -hmm. Again, it's above me now. God is the one who has to judge you for your bad decisions. God is the one who decides what the consequences will be. I can't hold anything against you because I don't have the authority to do that. When I hold something against you, I am stepping into the judgment seat. I'm stepping outside the realm of my authority. How can you say that? When we step into that, we are stepping into God's seat. Well, the Bible says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. That means it doesn't belong to us. It's his and his only. Mm -hmm. It's not ours to give. How can you give something that you don't have? Mm -hmm. We have to stop trying to take what's God's. He said vengeance is his. Mm -hmm. God repays so we don't have to. He sent Jesus so we don't have to worry about fighting our own battles. And I thought, I said, Lord, sometimes we just take on too much. Have you ever seen a person like especially at work? um, They have a job, a job title. They have a task that's assigned to them to do. But they are so consumed with everybody else's job and responsibility that theirs goes lacking. Mm -hmm. 
that's what happens when we attempt to step into the place of God and do his job for him. When I try to take vengeance and repay others, someone else or something else is going to lack. It may be my family. It may be my spiritual life. It may be my emotional stability, my responsibilities at work, my responsibilities at home, my responsibilities at church. Something will go lacking somewhere because I am focused on doing something that is not mine to do. It's above me. I need to allow God to do what he desires to do with what is his. I've prayed about it. I've laid it on the table. I've forgiven you. I've let it go. I have peace about the situation. And then he comforts them by saying, Joseph comforts his brothers by saying, now you go find your peace. You go find your your peace. You ask God to help you come to grips with the fact that I'm not looking to pay you back. See, people become consumed with worrying about the payback. You need to ask God to give you peace so you're not worried about me paying you back. That's what he was saying to them. You have to be ready to live with the consequences of your own actions. I like the way uh, one of the commentators in my study put it. He said, God took what you did wrong and made the end of it good. That hit me. God took what you did wrong and made the end of it good. So, yes, you did me wrong. Yes, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And what I really love about if you look at the scripture, you hear people say all the time, you meant for evil, but God did it for my good. My is not in that scripture. Mm -hmm. The word my is not in it. He Joseph does not say God intended it for my good. What he says is that God intended it for the good of others so that other people's lives would be saved. See, we get caught up in ourselves and there's nothing wrong with saying God did it for my good. But sometimes it's not just for our good. Sometimes it's for the good of other people around us. Sometimes it's for the people in our family. Sometimes it's for the people we're going to reach out in the world. We don't know. Sometimes it's not just for our good. People may plot against you. They may mistreat you. They may sell you out. But while it may look like people are doing something to our disadvantage, the reality is that ultimately God's plan will prevail. He comforts the people. Joseph comforts the very people who have harmed him because he realizes that they were agents used to get him to the place he was destined to be. There are agents out here doing things to us. We see it as, oh, they hurt me. But they are agents being used to get us to the place God destined us to be. How would Joseph have gotten to Egypt had his brothers not sold him into slavery? How would he, how, how would he have gotten there? So they were the agents that were being used. Mm -hmm. So while you may be upset with the people who have wronged you, stop to consider that maybe they are helping you reach your destination. Lastly, Joseph not only cries and comforts his brothers, but then he consoles them. Mm Joseph takes the focus off of himself and directs his brothers to look to God, as I said before. And so that's what we have to continue to do. Sometimes we need to remind people that we do not have the power to judge. We need to worry less about our own feelings and more about what God feels. We put the focus on people too 
much. When people make their peace with God first, then it becomes easier to make peace with others. Joseph gave us the blueprint on forgiveness in this text. He was betrayed by his own brothers. They shared the same DNA. He grew up with them in the house for 17 years and they didn't do something simply annoying. You know how how siblings do. Oh, he touched me. He looking at me. It wasn't that type of thing. It was something significant. They sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him. But one brother said, no, 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 don't kill him. Just we'll sell that. They sold him. So this wasn't a petty family matter. This was something major. And I thought I said, God, some of us are struggling right now to forgive people not as close to us for far less. And we can't do that. But he could do this. He forgave them. He comforted them. And then to banish all their fears, he spoke kindly to them. I read something else and it said broken spirits must be bound up and encouraged. Broken spirits must be bound up and encouraged. And I realized that statement is so true because hurt people hurt people. People do the things they do because their spirit is broken. It has nothing to do with you. See, we think it's about us all the time. Most of the time, it has nothing to do with us. That brokenness has to manifest. It has to come out. Healing has to, if healing's not taking place, it's going to come out. But if we don't encourage them, then they don't see love at work and they continue to hurt other people. Those we love and forgive must not only do, those we love and forgive, we must not only do well for, but speak kindly to. And this was hard for me, y'all, because I was like, okay, Lord, I can forgive. I can do that. I, I can do that. I can pray for them. I can do all of that. But you're telling me I'm supposed to take it a step further and not only forgive them, but comfort them and console them. I'm supposed to encourage them. That takes major maturity in Christ and, and willingness that. I, I can only speak for me. Sometimes I just don't have. I, sometimes I'm not at a place where I'm willing to do that. You know, console you? Sometimes I don't even want to be in the same room with you. So how am I going to console somebody who has wronged me? That's the last thing on my mind. But that's what the text tells us we need to do. Joseph lets his brothers know that he was still going to be there for them. He reassured them that they would be taken care of. He let them know that he was not holding a grudge or leaving them to fend for themselves. And I believe Joseph was able to do this because he followed his own advice. He encouraged his brothers to look to God and I know he had to do the same thing. So that's what we have to do. Mm. That's the only way I could fathom in my mind doing that. Mm. It's going to have to be God because if it's Alicia, it's not going to happen. Lord, I forgive them, but that console and comfort. Joseph realized something we failed to see. God had forgiven them, so he had to. We have to forgive because God forgives. If God has forgiven a person for wronging us, then who are we not to forgive them? We find it difficult to forgive people when they are unintentional and especially when they are intentional and mean to cause us harm. 
I'm sure it was difficult for Joseph to forgive his family for intentionally causing him harm, but Joseph realized that it was above him. He realized that it's bigger than him, and that's what we have to realize. This is a big world that we live in. It's so much bigger than what we see right here in Charlotte. The next time someone hurts you, remember that it's not about you. Sometimes it's about the other people that may be impacted by your decision to do the right thing. Joseph's willingness to forgive his brothers and remain loyal and kind to them even after his father's death, death resulted in his whole family being blessed. And not just his family, but all the people that he was able to help during that time of famine. He was able to help all of those people. What would that have been possible if Joseph walked around holding grudges and unforgiveness? I don't think any of that would have been. And think about how many people would have died because God had showed him the plan for how to to keep people from dying during the famine. So just imagine if he held on to that. It's so much bigger than him. It was so much bigger than him. And that's just what I want to leave with you today. It's above us. It's above me now. Whatever situation I'm going through Mm. in my life, look. Lord, you have to help me to remember that it's above me. You have to help me to remember that there are so many other people impacted by the decisions that we make. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, drop us an email at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. That's wesleyonmain at yahoo.com to let us know how this message has touched your life. Until next time, God bless.